0: the east side to the west this is from the land the cleveland sports and more podcast i'm your host jason gerber and tonight we talk the closing Cavs season preview the start of the guardian season look back at the final four and listen for a double shot of all ears album reviews i'm joined tonight by two of the best ever co-host phil Danko is here
1: hey gerbs thanks for having me
0: you bet buddy Seasonal musical editor, Chuck Rambaldo, is here as well. What publication is this for? Well, Chuck, this might be the best one yet. This Indeed job opportunity is with the NFL. And I think you qualify, buddy. All you need is a basic knowledge of the NFL, basic knowledge of the history of modern music, and basic experience with killer tracks. Indeed.com, extraordinary jobs for basics.
2: What is, like that. What's that job title? I'm going to search that a little later. <laughs> <laughs>
0: seasonal music editor. So basically wow. what you're doing is like putting music to highlights for the NFL.
1: I think like you could game. do that, man. Yeah. Now, like, and not even leave your day job. Like just do that. Right. in addition. It's too, seasonal right? work. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah.
0: So it's just during, it's full time during the season though. Um, uh, and it only pays like sixteen thousand dollars a year because it's the NFL. What? You know, I don't know if you're ready for that kind of a pay cut with another kid coming, Chucky.
2: This um, <laughs> is additional income. I am, but right, I, yeah, I don't right. know if I could take the cut.
0: Well, let's let's get the show started. We'll start at home with our sip of wine and gold. Our weekly cleveland cavaliers recap the Cavs closed out the 2022 nba season monday night when evan mobley suffered a sprained ankle against orlando oh wait they had to keep playing Cavs held tight for a win in that game against the magic but got overwhelmed in a loss to dallas on wednesday run out of atlanta by the hawks they did take a big bite out of the big apple on saturday afternoon beating the knicks and they almost pulled off an upset against the 76ers tonight they finished the week. and still the seven seed, but now two and a half games out of the six seed and the real playoffs. What was your favorite silver lining of the week? Was it A, Moses Brown dunks? B, Karis LeVert showed some serious signs of life? C, no team has ever won the NBA championships from the play-in, so there's a chance to make history. Or D, Darius Garland is reaching unstoppable levels. In his last 10 games, he's averaging 23 points, 11 assists, and he's shooting over 40% from the floor.
1: Those are all pretty good silver linings there. That's uh, So the silverest of the silver linings, let's see. I guess Garland's continued progression at such a young age and in such an important position for the Cavs has been huge. And when you strip away all of the other starters and he's still out there just just leading the team to, you know, we talked last week, they went two and three in a five game week. We were hoping for three and two, not too shabby given what they had to face and and with the the guys they had to go out there and, and play with. So
2: I'm going to go with Garland of the silverest silver lining there. I may have leaned Moses because I think he had one or two double doubles this week too. So for a guy yeah. who kind of came off the scrap heap to actually contribute like that, that's great. Uh, and since Phil took Garland, I, I think I'll go with Lavert. finally seeing him uh, be as productive as we like, and maybe fitting into a rotation as as this playoff starts or even into next year. Obviously, the move helped this year, probably not as much as we had liked up until this week, but ultimately, that guy's a gamer, and he can play, and it's nice to see him get buckets. So uh, just because Phil went with Garland, and I don't want to be redundant, <laughs> to say Levert.
0: <laughs> Levert was great. I mean, we finally, I think, got to see once he has settled into the team a little bit, and once he has learned how to play with the other guys a little, how productive he can be. And hopefully he carries it through because they really needed it in any of the games that they won last week. They, they needed every point that guy had to offer. I'd lean hard towards Moses Brown dunks because he was like a high energy productive player but man when he dunks it's fantastic like his legs are flailing around he's got like long hair flailing around and he just every single time he dunks like his life depends on it and i think that's really exciting so i'm going with moses brown dunks because i could use some more of that although i will say he is at this point a very productive good poor man's jared allen because you see moments in the games where he's just not quite as athletic. His hands aren't quite as good, and he, he can't get to the rim quite as easily as Allen does. So I, I really miss Jared Allen, and i really like him to come back sometime soon. As I said earlier, Cavs in the seventh spot right now, probably barring something crazy happening in this final week, locked into the play-in. The teams that are most likely to be in the play-in in the East are the Cavs, the Nets, the Hornets, and the Hawks. Although at this point, they're so close together in records that the seeding could be almost anything by the end of the week. So it's really not set who is going to play who, but the format for the play in is the seventh seed will play the eight seed. The winner goes into the real playoffs as the seven seed. The nine seed plays the 10. And then the winner of that game will play the loser of the seven versus eight seed to go for the eight seed in the real playoffs. Tracking Yep. from the land threat level zero, which playing opponent worries (laughs) you the most? Brooklyn Nets, KD and Kyrie, Atlanta Hawks, Trey Young, and also just right now, like the hottest team in the NBA. They're playing really well at exactly the right time or the Charlotte Hornets. A little bit like the Cavs, six guys averaging double-digit points a game.
2: Mm, Well, watching the Hawks kind of run all over the Cavs and you're saying they're playing really hot, that's a scary team because they played really well in the playoffs last year. But for me, it's it's Brooklyn. It it has to be them with with Kyrie now being able to play whenever he wants and not have to sit out games or sit on the bench and not play games. I think that's one of the teams who has that mindset that they're playing well, but they really turn it on in the playoffs. An old school NBA mentality compared to what the Cavs have done this year. So they scare me the most only because they have two bona fide superstars who can score at any given point. Uh, I don't want to see them.
1: I think Brooklyn scares me the most because I don't think they'd be in this position if Kyrie could play all year. They've got two Hall of Fame caliber players on their in their starting lineup. You know, they they can play together now, and if they get hot, it's – especially if, if the way the seating ends up that the Cavs would have to play them in a one and done situation that frightens me a little bit. You're right about Atlanta. That was a weird game in the middle of the week. Like they were shooting lights out yeah. from the beginning of the game to the end and, and the Cavs couldn't do anything. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think I'd lean towards Brooklyn. You're probably going to face one or both of those teams we just mentioned. So, you know, but on your big boy pants, boys, <laughs> here we go.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's hard not to go with Brooklyn. I think the interesting thing about it is, does your answer change at all? if Brooklyn decides to put Ben Simmons in the starting lineup for the playoffs
2: hmm. now
0: for me, no, doesn't it mean, concern meaning you meaning that, that the guy has not things? Yeah. Like he yeah, hasn't yeah, yeah. played in like two years or a full year or something like that. And he hasn't ever played with this team. And we just watched, two months of Karis Levert trying to find his footing and you're going to shove a good player, but at least a good player with some question marks right now into that lineup at the most important time of the year. I don't know. It it doesn't make sense that that should make them worse. It would be a concern for me.
2: He's an elite defender. I don't know if if they plug him in, if that's what they want him to do. It's not like they want him to go out there and score 40 every night. That's why, I mean, you can play defense if you take a game or six games or a year off. He's always going to be able to play D. So you plug him in, it's harder for whoever they're playing against um, at that guard position to score.
0: That makes him a really long team as well. They got a lot of size. I assume that adding him would make it better, but it's just you hate to see a team get disrupted as they're coming in, like right into the playoffs like that is all.
1: Well. Are they currently in the eight spot?
0: No, I think they're 10. Oh, they, they're at the bottom. And with all, uh, everything we have saying, they've lost two games in a row. The Hornets and the Nets are tied. They're both 40 and 38. So they're nine and 10. The Hawks are eight and the Cavs are seventh. Mm-hmm. They're a game and a half up on... The Hawks, as of losing tonight to the Sixers.
1: Right. I think if the Cavs win one more game, they're guaranteed to be in the seven or eight spot. They can't go any lower than that. Based on what you were saying earlier, that's important, right? Because that guarantees you two games. You have to win one out of two to get in versus that 9-10. It's one and done.
0: Yeah. So last week of the season, Cavs travel to Orlando on Tuesday night, Brooklyn on Friday, and game eighty-two against the Bucks back in Cleveland. Cavs have forty-three wins right now. How many wins at the end of the season?
2: Forty-four. Chuck. <laughs> I'm gonna take the optimistic route. I'm gonna say 45 here. Maybe the Bucks are are arresting some guys in that last game of the year. Uh maybe Giannis isn't playing as much or Middleton's not playing as much. So
0: yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking too. Maybe if they're resting, but just for the sake of good luck, I'm going to go 43 wins at the end of the season and cross my fingers and <laughs> nice. hope that uh, I, <laughs> hope like I can uh, reverse Gerber the Cavs reverse some wins.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Moving on from the Cavs to our final spring gardening segment. Uh, that came a lot faster than I expected. To be honest, I had planned until this afternoon for us to talk about the bullpen, but then I realized that the season is starting on Thursday, so we had to pick up our pace a little bit for the sake of covering it. This year's bullpen looks a lot like last year's. Let's go ahead and look ahead to the rest of the 2022 season. Which young player do you think is going to break out this year? Miles Straw in center field, Anthony ghosts relief pitcher, Owen Miller, infielder, or Brian Shaw, relief pitcher?
1: He might break it's a hip. Going, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's breaking out. <laughs> Brian Shaw. I'm going to go with Miles Straw because you included him in that group, and I guess I don't consider him young, but he is. Last year, he already was proving that all right he's a he's a starting center fielder in in major league baseball and could can hit pretty well too so i look for a, a big season out of that guy
0: for miles straw is a because i wondered about putting him in this list too you know he had a solid year and he obviously was a defensive upgrade over everything they had what does a breakout year look like for that guy if he's your pick
1: hitting leadoff all season you, you know really doing what a traditional leadoff hitter should be doing being on base a ton so let's see that guy hit like 290 get a lot of walks not strike out put the ball in play get on base because he can turn walks and singles into doubles
0: I was looking at him thinking if if that guy could get the batting average up to 300 uh, Mm -hmm. and play the kind of center field he played all year last year that would be a breakout season for him I think
2: Chuck what do you think I really want to see Owen Miller have a great year Uh, a guy who they were really high on last year and was a hell of a hitter in the minors and then you know didn't do all that great we expected instant offense when he came up last year and it just didn't work out so he's had a great spring not that that means anything so it doesn't matter where on this team kids are going to play so one of them needs to break out and for him I don't know what that looks like it's got to be better than hitting 180 or or 190 I'm hoping this kid can get you know like the the 280 or 290 because you know he's going to be playing a bunch of different positions and probably be batting at a bunch of different lineup combinations so I need to be excited about. One of these guys who's going who's making this club and is going to immediately contribute.
0: Owen Miller might be like the low-hanging fruit of this question because if like he bats like 230 as he had a breakout <laughs> year
2: <laughs> compared yeah. to
0: last yeah. year. He was actually going to be my choice too, Chucky. The guy has proven he can hit and he didn't do it in his first jump up into the bigs, but that happens to a lot of guys. Get him in there and get him a full season of consistent at bats. And I'm I'm hoping for big things from that guy. So I hope he's one of several. Guys who break yeah. out this year. Who do you think will be the MVG, the most valuable guardian at the end of the season? <laughs>
2: Oh man, I know the team's built around pitching as it should be with this lineup, but I assume it's got to be Jose Ramirez. He has been for the past few years uh, and they need him uh, to be that same player. So a guy who's going to hit hopefully around 30 home runs, drive in hundred plus RBIs because if it's anything like last year in this line, I don't know where the, where the production comes from other, other than him on a consistent basis. So low hanging fruit, it's the easiest option I'm picking him.
1: That's a hard question. Cause if you go, my brain goes to like Shane Bieber on one end of the the rotation or Emmanuel Classe on the back end of the bullpen, uh, either of those guys. Maybe I'll lean towards Classe because he's going to, we hope, make a ton of appearances with one or two run leads for the guards. And he goes out there and earns his nice new extension. And, uh, you know, I mean, we saw that guy has absolutely unhittable stuff when he's on and he's so young. So I could see that if we go the pitching route, maybe Classe is your MVG.
0: I'm going to go pitching too, but I'm going to go Bieber. I'm yeah. hoping for a bounce back year from him, a Cy Young caliber year where you can count on him every five days to come out there and win you a baseball game. And they missed that so much last year. By midseason, they didn't have anybody who you knew was going to shut down the other team. I'm hoping Bieber gets back to being that guy and pitches well enough to be in that conversation to take it from a guy like Jose who's been there for a long time and has has always earned that. What did you think about the decision to extend Class A? Five years, $20 for a closer.
2: If he's as as money as he was last year, I thought, uh, when I saw that, I'm like, man, that seems like a deal. The Guardians are known for dealing uh, Uh when it comes to their talent and not really paying up for them. So I thought, man, what a uh, nice club friendly deal that is for a guy uh, if he continues to develop who is a top 10 reliever in in major league baseball maybe in a year or two maybe top five
0: i think top 10 might be conservative for the way yeah. he looked last year phil what do you think
1: i thought it was a great deal I, I was surprised when i read it i kept rereading it. i was like wait yeah. a minute 20 mil for five years, not 20 mil a year <laughs> like yeah, yeah. <laughs> mil for five years. So, yeah, I thought it was a great deal for the guardians. I think class, a well, see, he's so young, uh, but we saw some of it last year. If he re- really settles in, he, he is by far the most dominant closer we've had in Cleveland in our lifetime. No offense to, you, you know. The Rest in peace, listen.
0: Doug Jones, Doug Jones. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. But you know, so when we're looking at the game these days where you are, everyone's searching for that next Mariano Rivera, right? Like the guy that just comes in there, like, geez, you can get three to four outs and no one even touches you coming in, in the eighth inning and, and finishing the game. That's what Classe was starting to do a bit. So, and he's got the stuff. So I'd love to see that develop in which case, you know, as it gets toward the end of that five years, it's, it's not only a deal, but it's a steal. I think
0: I'd love them paying a reliever early because I think a lot of times you see these closers have a few big seasons, they become free agents, they get their huge contracts, and it's at the tail end and they one or two years maybe, and then they're washed up. A closer position comes and goes quick. And to lock him up for these early years at that kind of money is just ridiculous. I don't know who his agent is. I mean, I guess we should thank him for getting that yeah. deal done. <laughs> yeah. You know, that seems. Like he is going to be under market value for every year of that contract because he was lights out the last month of the year, last year. And as long as he keeps that up, man, he is absolutely going to be responsible for getting some wins and saving some games for the guardians this year. So no big free agent signings in the off season. One of the lowest payrolls in baseball, but 80 wins last year is this year, the 2022 guardians baseball club. A playoff team.
1: I'm going to say no and hope I'm wrong. I'm going to say no because I just, unless some of these young guys all get it together at the same time and start producing offensively, I'm a little worried that that Jose Ramirez doesn't even finish the season as part of the Guardians, the way you know things are going and, and they're talking about moving him. And so I don't know. I, I, I feel like pitching could get us there, right? It could. It, it really could. But I, I feel like maybe they fall short again uh, with maybe 80, 85 or 86 wins.
2: I, I just don't see it. You got guys who may be playing out of position or not their natural position. You had a team that was a little suspect on base pass last year, suspect defensively sometimes last year, and you're you're bringing up even younger guys now. The last time this happened, it and they all worked out when it was you know, Manny Ramirez and Albert Bell and, and, and that core, I, I just don't see that happening with these guys.
1: <laughs> not that they're bad players.
2: It's, it's just, you know, like, and it only makes me angry to look at that line and go, how the hell did we not win a board world series with those teams? Anyway, I just don't think the young guys, they're, they're going to play them. It, they're just going to play. So it's, I think it's going to be frustrating at times for us. It's going to be surprising for us to watch this team uh, and to see guys develop because like, we're excited. It's, it's opening week. Right. But yeah. what about like July August if, if three of these guys are still hitting under 200. I think it's going to be frustrating, and everything has to go right for this team to make a playoff push, and that means no injuries to that pitching staff, and they all have to pitch lights out, um, and the bullpen even has to, you know, like with, with spring training being so short, I don't see starters going real deep early in the year, so hopefully they no. don't like the pen, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's something not a lot of people have been talking about. I think you need some middle relief guys who are going to steal some games for you. Well, Logan Allen's around- going to
0: start the season in the bullpen,
2: so we got that going for us.
1: All
2: right. So I think it'll probably be around. Maybe they improve just a little bit here and there. Again, if there's not a whole lot of injuries and and everything works out right, I I still don't think they're a playoff team, though.
0: Can't remember if when we covered the close of the lockout, whether they had decided that this year they were going to expand the playoffs.
2: I thought they had. I think
0: there might be even more teams getting into the playoffs this year, regardless of what the rules are for the playoffs this season, since none of us know what they are right now. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say that staff stays healthy. We get some improvement from the younger players who got a lot of innings last year. And you know what? We're going to have also have a full year of Francona on the bench, which we didn't have last year. And if we believe, and I think we do that he's one of the best managers in baseball, that has to mean some more wins. I think this team has a chance to do it. I think they will score some runs. I don't know that they'll do it consistently, all season long, but I think these young guys are going to hit. I'm hoping we have Naylor for the whole season. And if those starting five stay healthy, I I think that they're going to be able to win a lot of low scoring games. I think they just have the pitching to do it. And I think they have the bullpen to do it. I think barring injuries, this was almost a playoff team last year. And I think that as long as they stay healthy, they're going to do it. So hopefully that's not the end of the season for them right there with my pick. But um, with that, fellas, we're going to take our first break. We're going to come back, talk some NCAA tournament. fellows. welcome back to our second segment. We'll head out on the road and we'll start with the greatest NCAA tournament of all time. <laughs> Wrapping up the final four this weekend, the early game on Saturday, Kansas beat Villanova, but no one cares. And the final four nightcap, With God on their side, the wind at their backs, (laughs) clear eyes and full hearts, the eight-seeded North Carolina Tar Heels upset the Duke Blue Devils 81-77 to punch an unexpected ticket into the finals. An unreported or at least not highly reported subplot was that this was Coach K's final game as Duke's head coach (laughs) after 42 years and 1,202 wins. So let's go through. I want you guys to tell me which of these was the biggest highlight In Coach K's time as the head coach of Duke? Is it A, March 22nd, 2014, number three seeded Duke loses in the first round to number 13 Mercer? Is it B, March 4th, 2006, (laughs) JJ Reddick's senior night at Cameron Indoor Arena, number one ranked Duke gets rolled 83 71 by the Tar Heels and freshman Tyler Hansborough? C, March 15th, 2021, Number two seeded Duke loses in the first round to number 14, Lehigh, or D, February fifth, nineteen 1992. Fresh off a national championship the prior season and 17-0 and at the time, Duke is upset 75-73 by UNC in the Eric Montrose bloody face game. Take your pick. They're all such glorious moments for Coach K. <laughs>
1: So which of those are the best coach K moment? <laughs> yeah, I think it all I think it all started when a young Michael Jordan decided to go to North Carolina instead of to, to Duke and coach K wrote him a letter, which I read today. I thought that was pretty impressive. Great. Yeah. I'll put you well, down hey. for
0: C, the loss to Lehigh in the first round.
1: Chuck no, how about you. Uh, Lehigh or Mercer? So going to pick, man? <laughs> Lehigh.
2: I was gonna take, Lehigh or Mercer? Lost. Well, I've that heard of coach K before. Uh lehigh i don't think i ever heard of before that game so his most crowning achievement as a coach then is to lose to what was it 13 seed 14 seed lehigh what was it 14
0: seed lehigh yeah
2: yeah that's that's shit. so um <laughs> yeah, that's that's the one
0: yeah i'm gonna go with ruining jj Redick senior night tyler hansborough's breakout game as a freshman there you go coach k winning his coach in college basketball history championship game <laughs> is tomorrow night kansas was 33 and 6 this year They absolutely dismantled a good Villanova team in the semifinal. Jayhawks have won 10 in a row. Carolina's 29-9 and on the season, but they may have left it all on the floor against their biggest rival. Uh, They go into the championship as a four-point underdog. Who's winning this game, Chuck?
2: Well, you know... I do not like Kansas. I don't know if you're aware of that. <laughs> I've heard uh, because f- them. That's why. This will be the time I pull very hard for, for UNC. My wife's a big UNC fan. One of my great friends, Jason Gerber, is a UNC fan. Kansas looked, re- I'm not going to lie, Kansas looked really good uh, against Villanova, like a complete team. But UNC, hot hands and uh, got a lot of momentum. So, and that's a really small line. Did you say four and a half? It's only four. Four And I would have expected it was going to be more. Yeah. I would have thought it would have been like six, seven, but yeah, I'm, uh I'm going with UNC. Phil, I'm going to root for UNC, but I think
1: Kansas <laughs> is going to win. It's the same thing you said last week. <laughs> I know This makes the editing easier for you. I think Um maybe not, you know, UNC might have a team though, and you would know better than me. Garbs. They might just be so young and so talented to, to, it, they don't know. They don't care. You know, they're going to go in there against a, a, a Kansas team that is, I guess, none, none of these teams have really old teams anymore. But a Kansas team yeah. that has a lot more winning experience, I guess, and and maybe run them up and down the floor. I don't know. I like that. I like Caleb Love. I think he's a he's an excellent guard for UNC. Uh, I could see him going off all of a sudden too in that game. So, like I said, I'll be rooting for the Tar Heels. Uh, but if I had to put money on it, I would pick the Jayhawks.
0: Yeah, I think the Jayhawks are going to win the game, but I'm picking North Carolina because. Why not man? What a run. Yeah, uh, this yeah. is not one of the better UNC teams I've rooted for in the last 20 years. It's not even close. It's probably not even in the top five of some of the teams that didn't make it this far. I think Kansas is going to win the game, man. It's a really good basketball team and they've been playing well all year long, um, but I'm picking Carolina. <laughs> Go Heels. <laughs> Carolina, though, as you know, is not the only one who made history. In this year's tournament, our cat tank tournament was also decided this weekend and history was made. Jason Gerber went worst to first. It's a remarkable moment in all of our lives together. I am the 2022 cat tank challenge champion. Thank you both for being part of history. Uh, Tursik, you'll be picking up the cat tank from me on the 4th of July when you come up to Ludington. But that's enough talking NCAA hoops and my accomplishments Let's talk some more baseball because this week, major league baseball announced home run Derby X. Did you guys see this? Nope. Oh boy. This is a global baseball tour making stops in London, Seoul, South Korea, and Mexico city featuring former stars, Adrian Gonzalez, Johnny Gomes, Giovanni Soda, and Nick Swisher among other players. Home Run Derby X is a competition that will take place on a reduced version of a baseball field with a home plate mounted on a stage and a pitcher's mound on a podium. Hitters will get to swing at 25 pitches and take up to 10 of them with the opportunity to earn points by hitting targets placed 160 feet from home plate and two beyond the outfield fences. Opposition players will be on the field and can earn points by catching baseballs that don't make it over the fence. Teams will receive a point for every home run, every target hit, and every catch. And players can call for a hot streak that will allow teams to double their points on the next five pitches. The tour culminates in a knockout tournament to determine the home run X tour champion at the final event. Guys, this brings us to our Scott Turf Builders get off my lawn question of the night.
1: <laughs> what the fuck is this where baseball's heading? <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, this is their approach to trying to grow the game worldwide. I mean, it's it's already growing worldwide, right? Like there's a lot of really good baseball in parts of Asia and a lot of parts of Central America. And you mentioned four people that I'm assuming there's a lot more people involved. And those are the four most known people. (laughs) It was and it included Nick Swisher
0: playing as a Yankee, by the way. So they picked picked those four guys because they are. They're all representatives of like the four oldest franchises in baseball or something like that. But there are other players and it's co-ed. So some of the players who will be participating are famous softball players, too. I guess college softballs or maybe there's pro women's softball. I don't know.
1: I guess like why not have some sort of like barnstorming league where they actually go play an actual like actual games? Like this seems like a weird I don't know what it's video game ask or something. It's just top golf cross yeah, baseball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like top golf version. Now, if they let the guys drink from when they're hitting, maybe maybe that would make it fun like in top <laughs> golf like that. Maybe there's something to that. Or softball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know the rules.
2: So this is sanctioned by Major League Baseball. This is Major League Baseball's idea. Yeah, like the big 3 exists and there is starting this year as well. Uh I think actually next month like a um a former NHL guys or bubble dudes are playing like 3 on 3 hockey in cities but those guys aren't affiliated with the NHL or or the NBA. So was there just some guy who's like somebody's going to try to rip us off with some weird game, let's create it ourselves. You're talking about a platform? Somebody's hitting off a platform? 160 160- a stage. What? A stage on, on a smaller version
0: of a baseball field.
2: A reduced version is reduced. what they called it. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I think Phil I would rather hear what Phil was saying about maybe putting together a team of players and go play baseball as like goodwill ambassadors, you know, guys who can actually, well, I don't know, maybe Swisher can still mash. I have no idea. If he only has to hit it 160 feet, I could probably (laughs) play for that too. (laughs) I I, I don't know. I assume if it's on at some point, maybe I'll give it a go, but I'm trying to wrap my head around. It it, it sounds like a video game to me.
0: It is actually inspired by um, a setting that you could put in like a video game in like 2005, but why not? I mean, listen, what people love and what people watch every morning on SportsCenter for baseball highlights is home runs. Maybe this is just the way they've figured out to put this together and package the game for a younger generation that wouldn't be interested in seeing old guys barnstorming through their countries playing baseball. Maybe this is what it's become. It's going to be faster paced you don't have to be as good, I guess, if you only have to hit it 160 oh. feet. Feels like it's gonna be like batting practice. Like it, it does not seem like it doesn't seem like the goal of the pitcher is to get out. It's you so get it's like twenty a, it could be
1: like a coach, like in the home run derby. Like yeah, someone's just yeah. like throwing it up there to hit yeah. them out. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like, get off my lawn. It's like our old man time to say you can't mess with our game that like we grew up loving and watching, and we still think is really fun to watch, but I don't know. Maybe this is the future of baseball in America and around the world. Home Run Derby X, coming your way. Real quick, before we go and take our final break, Frank Gore announced today that he's signing a one-day contract this week and will retire as a 49er. He played 16 NFL seasons. He's third on the all-time rushing list. He was a five-time Pro Bowler. He was drafted in the third round of the NFL draft on April 23rd, 2005.
1: Where were you when Frank Gore was drafted? April 23rd, 2005? I don't even know exactly where you were that day. Just a ballpark. I was still living in, in Southern Ohio on April 23rd, 2005. I was in my first job out of grad school working down in Dayton, Ohio.
0: Seems like a long time ago, right?
1: It sure does.
2: <laughs> Chuck? April two thousand and five. Where in the world were you? I was here. I was in Erie, Pennsylvania at that point. But my guess is I was probably at probably watching the Otters play <laughs> instead right. of the draft <laughs> because it wasn't a day one pick. So I, I probably didn't care that much.
0: Well, no, I think back then it would have been because he was picked in the third round. So two thousand and five in the NFL draft. Didn't they do the first like three rounds on like Saturday and then? I don't
2: remember. It's a long time ago. Was it even yeah. on TV? <laughs> Do we so even long. have TVs? <laughs> yeah.
1: I can Ot 5. <laughs> Ot 5.
0: I was still in the Army, and I was still in Iraq. I was oh, wow. in my last, like, two or three months before I came home for good in April twenty third, 2005. So I can tell you I, I know exactly where I was. I was in Camp Taji, Iraq, when Frank Gore was drafted. And a whole lot of shit has happened in my life between then and now. And he's been playing football the entire time. That's absolutely amazing. So congratulations to Frank Gore on a successful NFL career and good luck in whatever your future endeavors are, buddy. But with that, fellas, we'll take our final break. We'll come back and do some all ears from the land. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll head off the field and a double shot of all ears from the land. Tonight, we are going to review two album releases from April 1st. First, by a very well-known band. and The second, maybe not. We'll start with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Their 12th studio album, Unlimited Love, was released on April 1st. A stat line for the Chili Peppers, the band started in Los Angeles in 1983 they are the most successful band in the history of alternative rock with a record for the most number one singles, 13, most cumulative weeks at number one, 85, and most top 10 songs, 25, on the Billboard Alternative Songs chart. They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2012. And throughout their run, they've won six Grammys. Uh, Unlimited Love
2: has 17 songs, too much, too little, or just right. I guess it depends what kind of fan you are of the Chili Peppers. Now, I've always liked them. I'm not a super fan, and I listened to it a few times. I listened to it on Friday and listened to it in bits and pieces yesterday, and then I listened to it today again. I don't know if it felt long. Honestly, with each listen, I'm hearing something different, uh, if that makes sense, something I didn't notice the first time around or the second time around. In today's standard, yeah, it might be a little fat, maybe, because in my opinion, there's maybe one or two songs, and I was like, man, it doesn't fit or I don't care about, but yeah maybe a little fat, a little chubby. <laughs> I don't even go skinny or fat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Phil, pick whatever scale you want to use. <laughs> Man, I don't, I don't want to body shame this band that has been around for 40 years. <laughs> I, I'm with Chuck though. I, I, I'm not a super fan of the red hot chili peppers. I've been listening to their stuff. Jeez, since grade school, you know, here and there, right. Um, they really got, extra popular while we were in high school they released a lot of you know number one tracks that that were played on the radio back way back then over and over and over again but i, I thought you know what it sounded like a red hot chili pepper album it, it did and i i listened to it multiple times it's one of those things that it's a fun album to listen to i enjoyed it i listened to it straight through uh back to back once over the weekend it's interesting you know i remember our, our deep dive with um in in the past with uh the weekend's album about how how we went into depth about the story he was telling and, and you listen to a red hot chili pepper album. You're like, they're not, they're not telling me a goddamn thing. Like, yeah. there's, there's
0: no, there's I can no barely story. tell what's going on. Here. Yeah.
1: Like, there's no story here at all, but, but you know, I mean, uh, but you know that going in, right? So I, I enjoyed the listen. It, it sounded like red hot chili peppers album for sure. It wasn't like they were trying to reinvent themselves after 39 years.
0: I thought it was a little too much. At first I thought that, I saw that they had 17 songs. I thought, wow, this is this is really impressive because they're not just like phoning in like a nine track album and saying like, hey, we've done all this work and we've put together something great. They really put a lot of music out there on this album. But I listened to it a few times in a row on Friday and on Saturday. And I'll tell you, I didn't even really know when it began and ended and began again, because Mm -hmm. a lot of it sounded really, really similar. And so I thought maybe we didn't quite need so many songs that sounded alike. Uh, Did you pick up
1: on the, the, I felt like as the album went on, the songs got less of that chili peppers like all right there's a there's the baseline the speed of it you hear the drum you hear the bass guitar and as the album went on it became a little bit like their slower stuff you know got um,
2: mellower as it was going it seemed like to me anyway full mid-tempo album Mm -hmm. there was there's nothing aggressive on it early middle or end and maybe that's a reflection of where they're at and they're eight. How old are these guys at this point? You're, you can't really do give it away again, can you, in your late 50s? I, I don't know.
1: <laughs> Poster Child was weird, though, because that, that was a key to like kind of rapping a little bit, you know? Yeah, I mean, like- that's that something. Well, I think there was there. still plenty of that,
0: right? I yeah, think there was yeah, still there plenty was. of yeah, that, like chili some.
2: peppers or alternative rock and rap combined, right? Yeah. The reason I'm a casual fan and I really like them is that his voice, his lyrics, they are pretty Pedestrian, they always have been, you know, mm-hmm. there's nothing like there's nothing super deep about them. Uh, it's it's and it could be grating at times. Some of the stuff that I listened to years ago, there's, there's a reason I, I don't deep dive Chili Pepper albums, you know, like other than Californication, which I think is a masterpiece of an album. But listening to this one, the thing I thought listening to it, and maybe because I'm not a, the hugest fan of theirs, is I don't know if this is like Flea's coming out party. The bass in this, mm-hmm. I have never thought. Dear God, the bass is so great in this album. On any album ever, <laughs> like it. Some of the the groove he puts yeah. down and yeah. how it's mixed and mastered, where his bass shines through. And I'm like, man, this shit is funky. Some of it is pure funk. Period. Yeah, yeah. not not yeah. punk, not pop, not hip hop. It is funk. That's what I like. It's just phenomenal that I'm listening going, man, that is that riding that bass pretty hard in this track. That's what I liked about it the most. And that the fact that John is back as their guitar player, the yeah. because there are times on that album where you hear what he brings to that band that's different from whatever it was 10 plus years ago when he was in it. And to hear his voice. On the album, that was the, that's the only the only time my ears perked up for vocals is when I heard somebody other than Anthony Kiedis. Yeah, uh, is to hear him sing on a hook, and I was like, man, that guy. Maybe they should let him sing a little more. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I, I feel like Chuck is talking himself into liking this album more than he did. Oh, I do like when we album. first started. No, yeah. I do like the album. I think it's I think it's a really well put together album. Anything, and again, we've talked about this guy before. Anything Rick Rubin touches, I'm yep. probably going to like. And I saw something they they did nothing digital here, which Flea kind of put out there uh, the day it came out. I said nothing digital? Just press it and put it out. Well, no, bullshit, man. I'm listening to it on Spotify. It has to be digital. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it just it sounds really you recorded, cool. guys. Uh, yeah. and, uh, it, and when I listen to it multiple times, the first time I listened to it was on my my laptop the second time i listened to it was on my phone today i listen to it a lot in my car and it is expansive when you're listening to it on a real sound system yeah, okay. uh, this, this is an album you shouldn't be listening to on your phone unless you're wearing headphones or earpods like there there is uh some real intricate musicianship here that i I can't read it. I can't write it. I can't play it, but I can appreciate it. And they are on point, man, this entire album, like other than one or two songs, I'll go back. I'll listen to this album more now, actually, uh, than I would have any of the ones before this. This type of music really comes down to
1: what you're listening to it on. Cause even, even the difference between, I listened to it the first time with like earbuds in and they're good. They're a good set of headphones, but you know, I'm exercising or whatever and and have them in and it was still good like you could could pick up the bass that kind of thing i listened to it today at home on a much better system i was like wow like this is you could feel flea playing the bass (laughs) you know i was like okay it was good it was a good album it was fun i enjoyed it i'll listen to it again what was the best song or maybe
0: not
2: the best song what's your favorite song i got two i really like um It's only natural. I don't know if it's not typical of theirs, but like we talked it's a mid-tempo album. And this is where that really starts. It goes on a run uh, for like the next six or seven songs that kind of fit that same mold. Uh, But I just, I appreciated the melody of it. I appreciated the hook of it a little more and it was a little more relaxed. And then uh, I got to the Heavy Wing and I listened to that a few times that might be my favorite song on the album Uh, again because the texture of it that you're hearing john sing on the hook it's reminiscent of some of their other stuff i guess but i've always been a fan of their stuff that isn't super aggressive and those two songs aren't so i I appreciate those the most but i think at the end of the day the more i listen to it probably heavy wing will end up being the best song in my opinion on the album
0: heavy wing was high up there for me too i like that song a lot what about you phil
2: I
1: like both of those a lot. I think they're, they're probably better songs than what I'm going to say. Uh, I'm just going to choose my favorite. And my favorite right now is simply because it, it is new and I haven't really you know paid a lot of attention to the depth of the album as it goes on, like we were talking about. But I liked Here Ever After, which was track two, because of the pace of it. Like the pace, like I just kept re-listening to that. I'm like, and maybe it had to do with, you know, or I wasn't relaxing in the moment either. I was active and, you know, okay. And it, it, was, it was a good paced song. So right now, Here Ever After is my favorite track we should be friends
0: here ever after was mine too. It's amazing that out of 17 tracks, the three of us like basically narrowed it down yeah. to two yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. we, that we all liked. But I think the same thing, like musically, that was my favorite album, favorite song on the album. Uh, I liked the tempo. It felt a little bit more upbeat than some of the songs and I like that. So that was Here Ever After was good. Poster Child, that's kind yeah. of a weird one, but I like that yeah. one too. And, and Heavy Wings, those are kind of my three, but Here Ever After, definitely at the top. So bourbon scale, one to five.
2: What's what's one and what's five on the bourbon scale? Well, the bourbon scale is always the same. How many bourbons <laughs> oh.
0: is, is it worth? Five obviously being the better end of the deal because the five bourbon? bourbons is great.
2: I guess I'll grade it against chili pepper stuff and not just in general as far as me listening to it this will be the first time in a long time i will continue to listen to a chili peppers album after it comes out other than californication i think it's a solid four because i think the more i listen to it, it's going to be like an onion there's more layers i'm going to hear and probably it's going to be musically not it's never been about anthony kiedis for me never about lyrics or his cadence or anything like that but i i want to listen to tracks more than him if that makes sense so it's a solid four
1: I was thinking around a three or four Um, as we were coming into this weekend and I saw the length of the album, I actually thought, oh, man, there's going to be there's going to be nine tracks that I'm not going to want to listen to more than once. Right. There's I'm not that big a Chili Peppers fan. And that wasn't the case at all. So I will I will certainly re-listen. And it's a good album. I enjoyed it. I'm interested to dive into the back end of the album again a little bit more uh, based on what you guys were saying, too. And just based on my initial feel of the back end of the album, I think there's probably some better music there, uh, just a different a different style.
0: Well, maybe this is where we diverge as friends. Nothing jumped out to me as I was listening to it. Like I said, I listened to it a few times in a row and and could never really tell where the beginning was and where the end was i like that like as you were saying phil the the latter part of the album was pretty mellow and i I think i liked that uh, more than maybe i like the history of the chili peppers more aggressive stuff i just don't know that there's anything i heard that's bringing me back i kind of wondered after we talked about the weekend's album whether i'd ever go back to that one and i do find myself going back and listening to songs on that album. And I really don't think I'm going to do it with this one. So uh, I'm going to keep kind of a low steady buzz and give this one only a 2.5 on the bourbon scale. Low steady
2: buzz. 2.5. That
1: seems like you're wasting half a bourbon. <laughs> yeah, I Dropped it or something, or I fell asleep. I don't
2: know. <laughs>
0: Moving on from the bigger act to a lesser known guy, but a personal favorite of mine, Paul Cawthon released his third full length album country coming down on April 1st. Cawthon known as the big velvet hit the country music scene in 2016 but really began to get attention for his acclaimed 2019 release, Room 41, a revealing and cathartic album documenting a transformative period in his life marred by a breakup, substance abuse, and depression. I don't know, everybody listened to Country Coming Down this weekend. What kind of music is this?
1: Man, um... Let me take a step back. You introduced me to this guy some time ago because you put the track uh, Everybody Walking This Land on, a, on yep. one of our playlists. So I went into this album thinking I was going to get this, this Johnny Cash type guy where he's talking about like divisive things, unity, all that kind of stuff. Like, oh, this is going to, I thought this was going to be the deep album. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Boy, yeah. was <laughs> <Samsonite>. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong. Samsonite. Boy, was I wrong.
1: So clearly this guy has changed the way he's approaching his albums over the last four years. And, you know, maybe it's better for him. This is like, man, I don't, I don't know. All right. It's country. So country's got to be in my description of what kind of music this is, right? It is country as f- right number like <laughs> one track i knew i was in trouble as soon as i listened to that one um i don't know if it's like i don't know what to call it country disco <laughs> yeah you know
2: i think i made that up <laughs> chuck what do you think <laughs> i think phil's onto to something oh <laughs> uh, again it's the same experience that phil had I, I i didn't know this man until you put him in a playlist and i my ears perked up the second i heard him uh, so when you put this on the radar i was like oh baby i'm gonna get into this And then I look at the track list and I see country as fuck as the first song. I'm like, (laughs) this is going to be a ride I want to get on and not get off. And I think it is a little bit country disco-y or country funk. I think he pictures himself as an outlaw. I don't really see it on some of this stuff, but I don't think he's creating a new genre. I appreciate anybody who's going to take a chance. I just don't know if he has the voice to do it, to match it. Not that he doesn't have the voice. This oh, dude sounds yeah. like his, this dude sounds like Johnny Cash half the time, and Waylon Jennings the other Exactly time. right. So, exactly so, right. So I don't know if that sounds good up against funk disco. And we can get get deeper into it because because at the end of the day, too, I, I don't know if this is satire or not. Yeah. Most of the album felt like satire to me, which mm-hmm. seems like, and he's on no no joke of a label, man. Thirty Tigers. I was shocked to see. I was like, oh, man, that's where like Luke Combs cut his teeth. And that's where Scotty McCreary relaunched his career. There's real guys on that label who then get picked up by, by monster labels. Uh, so I don't know if this is like, man, this guy's going a really different direction. I respect that. But I just don't know sometimes if it worked really well. I definitely
0: think this was a character he created for this album. You know this this country is f*ck guy, and I think there are a lot of very satirical songs in it. I would call this Texas Toast. Um, <laughs> it's it's definitely country. It's thick. Like the vocals are thick, the guitars are thick, the the drums are thick. It just it has every song has like a thick sound to it, but it's really kind of cheesy too. You know, you've got these like country clubbing is like a like a cheesy, funny song. I think High Heels is a really good song, but it's kind of a cheesy, like romantic song. So he's got that kind of tongue in cheek, like you said, satirical humor kind of yeah. underlying a lot of these songs. But that's kind of the only thing I could I try to come up with my own genre for it. Texas Toast was the best I could it's come up good, with. It's pretty good, actually. <laughs> is, I like that. Yeah. So what do you think the best song on the album was?
2: I listened to it a few times and and I kind of broke it down the way that you are. To me, it's there's songs on there that are satire uh, in made me smile, uh, especially like the first song where he kind of takes a shot at Kenny Chesney or real cowboys. Don't listen to Kenny Chesney. I thought mm-hmm. that's funny. Yeah. But to me, there's only three real honest songs on this album and they're all very good. Roll on over country, come down and caught me at a good time. Yeah. Now if this album was 10 tracks of that. I'm all in uh, because his voice works so well. And I, I love a guy. He named himself like big velvet or something. That's yeah. f-ing pimp man. Like he the knick- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> big velvet this is f-ing great. I would like to hear more tracks like that because I think the other stuff in a longevity game, I'm just never going to go back and listen to them. But these three songs, if I got ten tracks like that, to me, this is one of the best country albums I've heard in a very long time. But that's not what I got. I got a mixed bag, and that's okay. And I'll listen to those three tracks and go back into his his library and his catalog and, and try to find more stuff like that.
1: Bill? His best song was country coming down, which happens to be the last song on the album, which is yeah. rare, right? Like that's kind of, yeah. all right, I got all the way here and I expected another, I don't know what Fuck you money or whatever the hell was going on <laughs> in, the, in the album. Um, I kept, you know, you, I, you I had know the, that
0: song is great. Don't, don't oh, give yeah, me yeah. this.
1: You, no, no, no. So Fuck you money is a great song. <laughs> so I guess my point though, is I'm almost surprised what I got at the very end of the album. Cause I was like, wow, this is a really good song. And I, I, the first time I listened to it, I just thought my, my first thought was maybe the best song is the last one and I'm going to listen to it again in order and I'll get there eventually. Right. And and I'll see if I still agree with that after I listen to it a second and third time, I think that one's the best one on the album. Like you guys are talking about country as fuck, country club and money. I kept thinking like, this is if cash money, millionaires was a, Country supergroup instead of a hip hop supergroup. I'm like, what is happening right now? Like, I kept, I'm like, why, why does this sound familiar to me? And I'm like, they're just, it's just a different genre doing exactly what the hip hop supergroup did in the late 90s. I mean, that's, I thought it was great. I knew I was in trouble though. Uh, the, the satirical thing, that's interesting. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna think more about that when I listen to it again. But what that first song, uh, one of, one of the parts of the hook or whatever, he says hot dog, holly, golly, dag nabbit. I was like, Wait yeah. a minute, what? <laughs> yeah. you're making fun of yourself right now right like, that's, that's what you're doing <laughs> long answer but i think uh, country coming down is the best song on the album
0: think about the entire album like this it's a character album and the character comes up with this persona or this new sound or this new religion in the first song on the album and that's country as fuck and then he goes to this wild ride of wealth and that's country clubbing fucking money those kind of songs in the middle that are this satirical look at fame and money. And then it ends with country coming down and the guy finding like a, a, like a more simple life. That's kind of how I viewed like the story. If there's one there Uh, caught me in a good time was my favorite song. I think you money is great because when it starts, that does not sound like a country album. Uh, It doesn't sound like disco or funk. It's go back and listen to how that one starts. It sounds like Jimi Hendrix. Starts that song with a guitar. I thought that one was really good. So bourbon scale for country coming down.
1: Phil, this album actually makes me want to drink bourbon and listen to it, you know, like in a good way, in a good way. Like I, you know, and I don't need to drink five bourbons to listen to it. I like it's, it, it has that energy, right? Like, all right, I'm going to put this on. Yeah, Drink and them fast to get through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. Half I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll play it. I'll play it in reverse. <laughs> we'll start at the end and work our way up. I'm going to give it a three. This is one of those things. I'm not a big country fan, but i love music so i'm willing to dive into anything that is thrown my way it just took me a little while to kind of be like okay i can i can i can get into the the texas toast of it all like you said uh, and and luckily it's only like a 36 minute album so listening to it three or four times is not a not a
2: huge ask so i'll go with three bourbons i, I think it's a two and a half
1: Spilling bourbon
2: yeah yeah <laughs> leaving some on the table here a, a guy that i was looking forward to hearing the album but hearing it for what i thought he was in I applaud anybody who goes out on a limb and takes a chance uh, because it might work. You know, what he's doing is not new. Colt Ford is a guy who does stuff like this. Colton Wall, I think, is another guy who's a little more dirty, who does stuff that kind of bends the genre and makes fun of it a little bit. But uh, for a guy who has a voice that powerful, I wanted to hear more songs that the lyrics matched the power of his voice. Uh, It doesn't mean I won't go back and enjoy some of those songs because they made me smile. I just need a little more depth, so I'm at a two and a half. I think there's a bunch of good songs on the album. And I like this guy. So, I mean, you know, the the album
0: appealed to me a lot. Country as fuck, caught me in a good time. High heels, fuck you money, country clubbing, country coming down. All good songs, not great. Like we started, Phil, with you, with uh, Everybody Walking This Land. I think that's a great song. Top to bottom, lyrically, musically, his voice. That's a great song. Nothing like that exists on this new album. Uh, and I don't know that he was trying to do that, but uh, I'm giving it a three and a half. I guess I'm spilling bourbon as well. Uh, I really like him and it's a fun listen. And it's one that um, because it's kind of short, it, it's kind of easy to digest. And I will absolutely be going back to listen to it again. And in like three weeks, I'm gonna go see him in concert in Indianapolis. So I'll let you know how he does how he does live. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, real quick, winning time, episode five comes out this week. Uh, if it keeps pace... To finish in 10 episodes, the Lakers should win two championships before episode <laughs> five is done. <laughs> so, Chucky, I know you're finally I fully caught it. up. Uh, uh, yeah. What are you hoping to see in in episode five this week?
2: So uh, it was a nice catch up, and, and I'll try to keep Cliff notes here, but my wife decided to go along for the ride, watch the first episode. So when we sit down to watch the second episode, she was talking about, well, the first episode is people are having sex in cars. I'm like, what the f- show are you talking about she watched episode two not episode one I watched episode one she brought me up to speed I brought her up to speed we got to episode three uh I really if we're on four right this the next episode is five tonight so yeah Yeah. uh, what I really enjoyed uh as you guys foreshadows you got to see some of it starting to come together at least from a basketball standpoint and you saw what that coach what's his Westfall Is that his name I'm sorry Westhead Westhead, West head close enough. What a genius that guy is. But the difference between genius and coaching is how you can relate to players. Like Phil Jackson is a genius because he came up with an offensive system and he related to all his players. I don't think at least I don't, it didn't seem like this guy was doing it. it looked like there was a coup coming. So what am I looking for into episode five? Maybe everybody buying in and hopefully Dr. Jerry isn't f- any more broads in Mexican restaurants in front of his daughter, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but I'm hoping too, like, he writes the ship and maybe gets a little cash money. Uh, It seems like that guy's been running out of fumes since episode one.
1: (laughs) I think he's the wrong kind of doctor for that, actually. (laughs) Um, I think in episode five, I'm looking forward to them breaking camp and maybe we see some some Showtime basketball, you know, under the lights uh, in in the NBA. Maybe we see the actor come back. uh, That is playing Larry Bird and we get to see those matchups on the, on the court a little bit uh, here in the next episode. That's what I'm looking forward to most that and uh, just the evolution of this showtime piece of it for Dr. Bus is, is highly entertaining. To say the least,
0: yeah, they have taken great pains throughout the first four episodes to make Kareem Abdul Jabbar look like an absolute a hole, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And some I've got to think at some point he accepts magic and the fact that magic is a ridiculously talented basketball player and also like a super hyper competitive guy, just like Kareem, uh, who wanted to go out there and be great. So I'm hoping we get to see that thaw a little bit and maybe Kareem starts accepting magic as a stud player that was going to help him win. Uh, multiple championships but boys we are out of time i am out of questions for now and we just did the whole show without mentioning that eric church canceled a concert to watch the unc duke game on saturday night with that news about a regular guy who just likes watching sports more than he likes working i hope you guys have a great (laughs) week and let's get together and do this again real soon absolutely Yeah, and I don't, I don't see them starting Sexton and Garland. Uh, yeah, right. Just because they're so small, right? Yeah. Although maybe you could if you, if your other three guys are all That's seven true? feet tall and athletic, maybe you can play. That'd be
1: hilarious. Two six footers and three <laughs> <Yeah>. seven footers. <Yeah.
0: laughs> it's all wonky. The team photo is going to look really weird. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, they just three stand in the back, two stand in front. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Smallest team photo ever.
0: Yeah, nobody else. (laughs) They got rid of everybody. That's right. All right, ready to roll. Yes, sir. Almost pulled up. Cavs have forty three. Saving some games for the for the Guardians this year. Almost said tribe. As the as the as the head coach. (laughs) jj reddick senior night at camden damn it see this is what i'm saying like i'm just like i'm not i'm not locked
1: in tonight um yeah i'm I'm looking i would disagree (laughs) (sighs) yeah well i guess it depends on where you are in that booth (laughs) all right do you think Frank Gore will be the most boring running back ever to make the hall of fame? <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, you know, he, he's, it's all from sorts a of crazy or personality. Uh, no, 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 no. Just like, like name, name your, your top three Frank Gore highlights from his career. Right. It's like, what? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he just, yeah, it's, it was like a, a career of, was Frank Gore better than Barry Sanders? Right? <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Like, he's rushed for 16,000 yards. He's third all-time. Yeah. But he played for almost two decades. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
0: He wow, has, like, man. the most consecutive seasons with at least 500 yards. It's mm-hmm. 16. He rushed for five, at least 500 yards <laughs> every, every year of his career. Man, that's <laughs> something. Yeah. It's just like a... Did he play Uh, he's like you, Dinko. He was just available.
1: Availability (laughs) was was availability. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: I'm I'm the Frank Gore of the podcast. (laughs) All right. Well, if we're
1: still doing
0: this in 16 years, you will be. Yeah.
1: Well, I better go take a piss then. If we're gonna do it that long, I'll be back.
0: So that's the thing, though. It's like the championship game for the Crunch will be on Sunday. I mean, I want to support the team. I do. But if if it's a good Friday first, uh, (laughs) Friday night, we already guaranteed them. They're going to win the whole thing. But you're going to be hard, kind of hard-pressed to pull me away from my TV on Master Sunday Yeah, right. to go watch indoor soccer. As much as I love the Crunch, um, I'm not sure I'm.
1: Maybe they're playing at, like, 9 in the morning, so you can yeah, get
2: home before. Yeah. The <laughs> only time the venue was available. Yeah, exactly, before the, the high school practice starts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Poor f- crunch. we world champions again. They get no respect. Did you watch um, – they posted a video, I think, on Twitter of their fan appreciation night. It was great. Like, Denko, oh, you definitely I, were not getting yeah. a seat, man.
1: The whole You're thing right. was I packed. Know. Yeah. I still want to know how many people – like, how, how many tickets did they sell? Yeah. It's not a bunch. It's like
0: bleachers on one side of, right. of the court field. I don't know
1: what they even <laughs> call it in indoor soccer. Pitch. It's a pitch. Even indoors? I don't know. Ask Ted Lasso. <laughs> I was surprised you were still up when you texted that out. I'm like, hey, all right. <laughs>
2: yeah
0: i did man like that's the type of game that if they were getting creamed at the half i'd be like it, i'm going to bed yeah, if they come yeah. back it'll be a great story i'll read about it uh, but that was that was one of the better oh, well yeah. at least more more yeah. exciting basketball games i've watched in a really long time
1: i um, mean it was a two-point swing almost throughout yeah. the game you know it was like, i yeah, think the
0: biggest was... lead was five yeah um that was good. by that either was good. team uh and just to have it come down at the end like the way it did and in like some of those plays in the last like two minutes uh and you gotta love a duke team shooting like two for 17 from three it's f- <laughs> awesome <laughs> <laughs> i loved it i really did enjoy every single moment of it somebody texted me this morning that uh coach l was trending on twitter today
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful.
1: dude is about to lose a shit ton of fans. Um you see what he's no, doing? he doing? No, he
0: he offered to uh
1: the free concert.
0: Yeah, he's offered to do a free concert, yeah. yeah. In a it's... venue
1: that is a, a quarter of the size of the oh. one he sold out in San Antonio. <laughs> have any of you ever
2: seen Eric church live? Uh-huh. Yeah. We are spending time. Yeah. He's real great, but I have a I have a precipice. I don't care if it's the Beatles or Zeppelin. After like an hour and a half, I'm done ski. And I went and saw him in Buffalo and he was like two and a half hours. I'm like, that's it, dude. I still have an hour and 10 minute drive. I'm out of here. (laughs) He's real great live. You know, like he's super great. Boy, he didn't
0: play nearly that long at the show that I went to. He was on with headlining it. I mean, I think he was the last act, but there were. We were on the floor. It was like general admission on the floor and we were really close to the stage. We're probably 15, 20 feet from the stage. And he did his thing, like um, where he he like looks out and he screams. He's like ah, and like we were, we we could tell that he wasn't really yelling. We could tell he's just like, I was like ah, (laughs) all right. Um, I don't know if I like this guy as much as (laughs) much as I thought I did because actually you got me listening to him, Chuck. You sent me some sort of link back in the day to the to the springsteen song I was like you should listen to this
2: guy. fantastic man
0: yeah that's a really good in his older album. stuff i actually like eric church a lot um yeah and i didn't even know he was a carolina fan so yeah
2: no, he's he's great man um some of the stuff that he does this this new album i haven't paid much attention to but like record year if you haven't listened to that it's phenomenal um i love that song but Yes, Mm -hmm. that's a
0: good song. Does he have a new album out? Do we need to do another
2: real quick, everybody? (laughs) I think it's within (laughs) the last year at least. But most of the stuff he puts out now isn't on par to me what that Chief album was, where that was his breakout album. Yeah, had four or five massive hits on it. But um, he played Cleveland. The reason I love Eric Church, I was I was here in Erie. I wanted to go see Church, but Aldean was in Erie and it was a whole Live Nation thing. So they were all here instead of there. His manager is from Cleveland. Either his tour manager or his manager himself. No idea. So he's driving. He tells us and it's on YouTube. You can watch this. Uh, he tells the story. He's driving around Cleveland. And in every city, he likes to do something that's for the city. That's they're only the ones who I know where it. you're going with this. this yeah. Is great. So yeah. So he, they're listening to MSB and, and yeah, he's listening to this town. He's like, what's this? He's like, "All oh, you and kids. I want to know about this. And we, we never practice it, we never tried it, we're just gonna do it. And he does this now <laughs> and he fucked up. Like he misses the, the beginning of the song where he's supposed to sing and he doesn't know the hook and he's reading it off yeah. the ground. But the fact that he tried it, I was like, oh, I will I'll respect that dude forever, man. That that he tried to do something important to Cleveland. Uh when he came, he didn't have to do that. The guy can play for three hours and and they're all hits. But uh, watching that, I can remember seeing it like, Man, I wish I was actually there instead of here and eerie watching Jason Albean.
0: He he came out with um it's like a series of like three live albums yeah and that version of this town is yeah is on it. there man it, and i have it on my it's on like my playlist when i go running it's one yeah. of the songs that i listen to man I, it, that's a it, i yeah, thought it was, it was i don't know i guess i don't remember the original well
2: enough to know that he it up i thought he, oh, I thought yeah. he did pretty good i <laughs> <laughs> can hear him kind of like mumbling through lyrics like. <laughs> Funny, funny like a clown here to amuse you.